Hey guys, and welcome back to Beer Bubbles. And as usual, I am joined by CC In the bubbliest podcast in the world. Exactly. And today's guest is CC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do an interview with CC today because, as you might know, he's been in this business for quite a long time. And uh, so start off with who is Christian CC Aikner? And why the hell are you called CC? Oh, God. Uh, start with who I am. Um, I'm a beer geek who's been uh, working in the restaurant business for 30 plus years. Uh, last 20 plus years, I've worked with craft beer, and uh, or at least like quality beer. Worked loads of places, traveled, done podcasts for the last eight years, I think it is. And what else? What CC? That's just crazy because I can't even remember myself what what it stands for. But it's been it's been a nickname for me since I was like sixteen, seventeen years old, maybe eighteen. And um, I don't know why it became CC. Probably because I was standing on stage and it was easier to have something that people remembered instead of Christian. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> or something else. You'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Maybe the truth will come out someday. Uh, cheers. Cheers. We're drinking... Yeah, what are we drinking? We're sitting at your place. Uh, right? we're, we're drinking uh, Happy Pills from a small brewery in Berlin called Berlo. Uh, and it's their uh, dry pilsner with uh, traditional and American ops. It's very delicious. Yeah, it's got a bit of a better kick to it as well. Really yeah. pills-like. It's nice. It's really nice. So how did you end up working with beer? Was it something that you felt that you wanted to do or did you stumble upon it? Well, I was interested in whiskey. Uh, my dad, <laughs> this goes way back. I was maybe 15 years old and I tried to, as you do when you're young, uh, steal some booze from my father's liquor cabinet. I never done that. <coughs> <clears throat> and I got, got caught by my dad. And he said, you know what? Don't. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't allowed out that night, but he sat me down with a really nice whiskey because he was kind of a whiskey connoisseur uh, and said, this is quality. And then he poured me a uh, an Irish whiskey called Kilbegan or Kill the Beggar uh, and put it next to it and said, this is not. Uh, so I, I quite early got to know what quality was. And then from whiskey... I ended up in beer because it's <laughs> it's quite a lot cheaper to buy a couple of bottles of and cans of beer uh, instead of a bottle of whiskey. And you get to try more different stuff. And I've always been kind of curious when it comes to drinks. I still love whiskeys and I work quite a lot with whiskeys as well. But I ended up with beer instead. And it's basically the same drink, but beer, you add hops and you don't distill it. Yeah, it's true. Bo- both are malt-based. Uh, so you worked at quite a lot of different places during your thirty-something years in the, yes, in the business. Have. What's the most like uh, the places that stand out when it comes to beer? Uh, Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially when it comes to variety, they had and still have shitloads of beer, and especially they do. Uh, they have an import company as well, so they import American and British beers. Great brands. Great Brands is the name of the company. Shout out to Yuga. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Yuga. 
you'll get Thomas and Justin has run that place for ages and ages. And even though it doesn't change, it's still relevant. And they have crazy ass loads of perfect beers. And I, th- I must say, Thomas was part of why I went from whiskey. Uh, Thomas, one of the owners, was one of, part of why I went from whiskey to beer. Because he, uh, I came into Oliver Twist when I used to work at Beefeater 25 years ago. And he poured me a hand-pumped, I think it was uh, Alton's Pride from Triple FFF or maybe a Timmy Taylor's Landlord. Hand-pumped, proper British style. And I came just for last orders. So he went up and, and did the cashing up and everything while I was sitting there drinking this, and it was an eye-opener because it was so far from your industrial lagers as you could come. Mm. It was slightly warmer, no fizz at all, just a natural uh, colonization in the beer, and the flavors were amazing, and it was 3.8%, which was, mm. and, and to get that flavor out of such a weak beer, fantastic. Yeah, that's something... The British do very well. They do light, low ABV beers, but with tons of flavors, tons, tons of flavors. But since I got to know you, you've been talking about quality. Like quality is the essence of beer, and quality is the is a must-have when it comes to beer. And not only the beer itself, but also the the systems we serve it in. Oh yeah, definitely. Overall, do you feel like there's that is this is something that a lot of bars do, or do they miss out? A lot. Well, the problem is that most bars aren't free houses. They are connected to a chain of breweries. Uh, even if it's Carlsberg or if it's Spendrips or if it's Orbro, it really doesn't matter. The problem for those big companies is that they don't... Uh, I don't think they spend enough money on uh, service. Mm. They don't teach the guys who work in the bar how to clean the lines themselves. And they come out maybe every seventh or eighth week mm. to clean the lines. And that's not enough when you're working with craft beers or especially unfiltered beers. Because mm. it sticks to the inside of the lines and you get a uh, contamination. Uh, the most common one is uh, diacetyl, mm. which is basically butter acid. Yeah. So if it tastes of rank butter, the beer's not good. If it's not a Czech pills. Or... A hand pump tree ale because <laughs> they they have a bit of diacetyl, but but it's got to be it's hints. But if if the beer tastes of butter, uh, have a bottle instead. I agree, mm-hmm. but how can how can the knowledge be spread even further? What can we as workers do to to make sure that this gets better? Well, teach people uh, without being snobby. Yeah, be nerds. Don't be snobs because nerds are people who want to show up what they know because they love it. Snobs are people who want to like tell you what to think. You got to remember that when it comes to taste, there's only one true answer, and that's your own, because mm. it's the most subjective thing we own. So uh, if if you think this tastes good, you're right. No one can tell you you're wrong. You got to keep that in mind. Do, be nerdy, but don't be snobby. Yeah. And and when coming back to the quality issue. The question is, what is quality? Because some brewers do fantastic beers once. To me, quality is keeping a high quality of the product 
for a long time and keeping it constant. Yeah. That's why Nina's Helm Song Brigitte is one of my absolute favorite breweries because they have this high standard of quality running through their beers. They maintain the quality for a long time. Everyone can do a fantastic beer, but it's really hard to do a fantastic beer every time. Yeah, that's definitely difficult. And also, I mean, brewers want to experience and try new recipes, and which is great because that's how we find <laughs> new great of beers. Of course, but it's like it, I don't, I don't mind innovativeness and and like trying to d- push boundaries and try new stuff. But to be really good at brewing, you need to be able to to um, duplicate it, do it again and again and again. Definitely. Have you ever thought about home brewing? I have done it, and uh, I'm really good at beer. I'm good with flavors. I'm crap at brewing because <laughs> I'm I'm not patient enough. It takes a while to make a good beer, and if I make it, I want to drink it now. <laughs> <laughs> and and so so you always get a bit carried away when you're. Well, I did at least when I was brewing. It's like. Oh, just some extra hops. If if you have a recipe and you go like, well, if I add this and add this and add this, yeah. but it's it's basically like cooking. Sometimes you can add too much, yeah. And and especially the hops, which is your spice and your aromats. If you add way too much hops, you end up with a hop burn and you get like nasty flavors coming out. Mm. So I'll leave the brewing to the guys who are good at brewing, <laughs> and I'll drink the beer and taste the beer and, and do what I'm good at. <laughs> well, there's a lot of good home brewers out there, so oh, sh- yeah, shout out to those home guys. Brewers. I think uh, they, and don't stop brewing at home just because you flunk out and do a bad beer. Just pour it out. Do another one. One of the reasons why home brewing is so big in Sweden is because we've always had really high prices on alcohol because of the alcohol tax and the monopoly and stuff like that. So brewing at home is a good way of getting quite good beer, quite cheap. And maybe sometimes fantastic beers, Yeah. and maybe sometimes crap. But pour it out, or drink it, or do whatever you want, for God's sake. <laughs> but, but at least don't be downhearted because you don't brew the best beer in the world right away. Mm. It takes practice, it takes practice and practice. And also, um, as I said in my last podcast, Alpodon, when we had a homebrewer special, if you want to go from homebrewing to brewer, I think Richard at BMWTX said it the best. Don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really hard. It, it's a totally yeah. different ball game. Yeah, it is it's super. I talked to Joel Hedman the other day. Other oh, beer historian. Yeah, the beer historian slash from Idea. And uh, he was judging a homebrewer contest. Mm. And, uh, well, some were good and some were not as good. And you could really see the difference between, like, the best ones and the... There was a big gap between those. But it's also... We come back to quality all Mm. the time. Because a high-quality beer should also be... Not just you should be able to do it constantly, but it has to be true to the style. So if you brew a Pilsner, you should brew a Pilsner. Otherwise, don't call it a Pilsner, for God's sake. No. Call it call it a, uh, like American hoppy lager or a, whatever you want to call it. There's also this problem with uh, terminology in, in beer. Mm. When you do tastings in beer, 
wine's been doing this for ages and like they have taste notes where they talk about leather and they talk mm. about tobacco and they yeah. talk about this and that there's a system we, yeah we don't have that kind of terminology in beer and i hope we can build that because it is kind of important that people recognize what you're talking about when you do a tasting i've got a problem with it uh, but i normally talk in colors Mm. instead of flavors because to me like hoppy fresh citrusy trop uh, like fresh citrusy notes are green mm. while tropical fruit is yellow while uh, like beer that's oxidized and a bit older is brown because mm. it tastes a bit like molten leaves and and like wet cardboard and mm. so so we need to find our own terminology uh, and that's ki- kind of hard Yeah, it's kind of hard to put that in there and make everybody do it. But going back to to Ölpodden, which you mentioned just oh, yeah. just now, for for me, you've always been putting the <laughs> the beer nerd aside. You're an entertainer, which oh, thank you very much. <laughs> but, but you've you've been doing your opera singing or your singer. Well, the only thing I've ever studied properly to become is an opera singer. Yeah, I never worked as an opera singer. I did a couple of musicals, but uh, and I worked one month longer. Uh, helped start it out Golden Hits down on Kungsgatan in Stockholm which are show restaurants but then I kind of made myself not welcome anymore (laughs) 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 well the owner Hasse Wallman uh, he uh, we kind of fell out and he at that time owned every private theater in Sweden so Ah. I didn't get any musical jobs but I was still good at working restaurants so I ended up in the restaurant business instead and i haven't looked back because i kind of i it's like being on stage when you stand in the bar as well yeah it is and you brought the entertainment to the restaurant instead and that's so what the natural i I imagine there was a natural progression going into a a beer podcast or a podcast overall but doing a podcast was that something that you thought about or is that an opportunity that you were given well definitely i didn't think about it because when i was starting up the restaurant at Carnegie Bergeriet I got a call from the marketing director of Carlsberg, which was part owner of Carnegie, and he said, uh, what do you think about hosting a podcast? And I was like, you fucking crazy? I'm starting <laughs> up a restaurant here. I've got f- I've got a plate full of everything anyhow. I got convinced to do it, backed by Carlsberg, and we started in 2014 on the third Thursday of July, uh, National Beer Day. Ooh. The first episode was released with Yogi from Oliver Twist, oh. Stena, who's now at Sun Francis Corner, was yeah. at Akrat, and uh, Oscar from the Bishop Arms chain. The same and Oscar? The Oscar Swanstedt from all right, Bishop all Arms. Right, all right, yeah. Uh, and uh, that was the first episode of Earl Podden. And I think we were the first podcast about beer. Hmm. And uh, it now went from time. me having a producer who cut everything and and edited everything and helped out with bringing in guests and stuff like that too. In the end, about six years later, uh, I was doing everything myself from Mm. sourcing guests, uh, setting up uh, the entire podcast, recording it, editing it, and then doing all social media as well. Mm. So it went from a pet project to a project close to my heart. And then yeah. when I stopped working at Carnegie, Callspace decided to, uh, since I was not working for a branch of their company anymore, they decided to cancel it. Hmm. 
and I wasn't allowed to keep the name, which I'm a bit miffed about. But hey, we started. <laughs> I started Beer Bubbles, and about four months later, you came into the picture as well. Yay. And we did the YouTube channel, and yeah. it's it's progressed since then. Yeah, and I mean, uh, like you were saying, with you went from having a producer to doing everything by yourself. It's you don't re- really realize until you do this is that it's quite a lot of work to to have to get it done. Yeah, the podcast is actually the easy part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, just editing sound is something that I can do in my sleep. Mm. Uh, since I, when I started opera, I also did uh, some composing and 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 then I went to be a sound engineer for a while. So that's not not easy, but it's it's not that hard. But then when we started doing YouTube clips, oh. <laughs> and to start editing video as well which I'd never done in my life, and just go, okay, I'll get Adobe's uh, Premiere Pro, and I'll try to learn it. Yeah. And I kind of did. And, and you can, if you <laughs> if you watch the first episode of the YouTube mm. clips, and you watch the latest ones, it's quite a difference in quality. Yeah, it, it is. And But that's the thing, you, you learn as you go, and it's it's a fun experience. And it takes longer every time I do it. Yeah, <laughs> not. But the thing it, you th- you'd think that it would go faster and faster because you you know how to do it. Mm. But the thing is, I find new stuff to do with the, with the YouTube clips <laughs> every time I do one. So you end up going like, "Oh, I I got to put that sound effect in there. Mm. I got to do that." So well, I could do a clip in about half an hour before. It now takes about three hours to do one. Mm. Yeah, it's a big difference, and it's. Six seven minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> Going to to this beer nerd scene. I mean, that's grown quite a bit the last couple of years. I mean, even I remember. I'm still quite young, but I remember the beginning of it. I feel because I just started out when I was like twenty, nineteen, twenty in the in the industry. I don't think you remember the beginning of it. No, in no, Sweden, no, beginning, but, you but, remember like, but when the, the, the real boom, the was, boom was maybe it. ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I and I feel like it's. I got on the train <laughs> during the time they really went up. And, and it's still going up. And it's, it's still going up. Yeah. And it's insane. But what is it that you love about the culture of beer and the people in it? Well, the people are friendly. And most of them are nerds. And I like nerds because, as I said before, nerds are people who love something. And they love it so much they want to share it. Well, I'm sorry to say this, but in... Because I know you're a sommelier. <laughs> but in like wi- the wine community... It is snobby. Yep. It, it It is really like, if you don't like this, you're shit. In the beer world, it's like, try my new beer. And you can tell people, oh, that's good, but I think of this, think of that. And people go, yeah, I'll think of that next time. Mm. Yeah, cool. Because uh, people are really, they want input. And most brewers in Sweden are kind of, they're generous with themselves they're and humble. they haven't got got that. Well, th- their egos aren't big as a fucking zeppelin. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what I enjoy about beer as well. And that is why I chose not to work with wine because I feel like the beer, the beer scene is much more humble and uh, it's it's a lot more fun. Humble was the word I was looking for. And yeah. and people are so nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been to the U.S. quite a few times now t- to do recordings with my old podcast mm. and 
the amount of love you get from these people when you come and go like, hi, I'm from Sweden, I've got a small podcast, and they go, oh, you got to check this out, got to try that one, that's so cool, and and people are really, really, they, they're nerds, they're, yeah. they're, they want to show off their stuff, and they're really proud of it, but they're also open to criticism, mm. which if you go to a French winemaker and say, you know what, I think, they go like, piss off, get out of here, you're not welcome anymore. <laughs> You'll become the 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 compost for the grapes. Well, you won't you won't be, you won't be welcome back anymore. <laughs> you were once wanted by Interpol. Oh God, are we going that that way back? <laughs> um, Why? <laughs> well, I did a stupid thing up here in Sweden. Um, this I, well, I've got I've done my I've done my time. I was two years on probation for for this, so. I can probably tell you about the crime I did. I rented a sound equipment for about a million and a half, and then uh, I rented two uh, trailers, put the sound system in, and I drove down to Greece and set up a disco. Uh, and uh, I did this with a couple of guys, uh, and then by a fluke, a friend, of the guy I rented it from was a real dickhead, sorry. And... Interpol, they wanted me for questioning. But this was on Rhodos in Greece, Rhodes. Uh, and I don't think they've ever gotten, a f- was faxed by then. Got a f- gotten a fax from Interpol. And so they came with 24 guys with drawn weapons. And I was in shorts and flip-flops. And they <laughs> caught me on the street and would pull guns and everything. And uh, tell you what, I wasn't big that. You're not cocky when you got twenty four guns pointing at you. No. Uh, and they're going like police down on the fl- down on the ground and <laughs> hands b- above your head. And so I was uh, taken into custody and I sat for three days and then they released me because they realized uh, it wasn't really me they were looking for. There was another guy who was the brain behind the uh, <laughs> operation, so to speak. But then I got home, went to trial. Got two years on probation without a supervisor. Hmm. So basically what they said, don't do anything bad for two years. But then go ahead. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it was kind of a wake-up call for me as well. Because if I would have continued down that path, I'd probably be in jail or dead by now. Uh, So uh, it it gave me a fright that uh, was kind of good for me at that point in life. This is... I was like 23 or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was ages and ages ago. But um, mm? <laughs> I've I've done my time, even though I didn't do any time. Uh, and uh, I've been a good boy since. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. But speaking of the future, you're you're at a new place. We're sitting here right now. You're at Beer and Play. Yeah, this is a cool project. As you uh, might have know, might know if you've listened to the podcast and the YouTube clips, I've been unemployed since January, and uh, I'd spoken to the guy who owns this place, Johnny, and he wanted me as his general manager, basically, but he couldn't afford it because of the pandemic and like they weren't doing any tills at all. Uh, no one was coming, and then about well, mid-May, he called me and said, "Fuck it, I can't wait anymore. Let's do it." Uh, so I started working here on the 24th of May, and it's been going up since. 
we got uh, a really good beer selection on tap. Uh, really cool can selection in the fridges. Do great pizzas. Uh, Napolitanian style or whatever you call it. Mm. Uh, and burgers. Because the burgers and pizzas are what we do. We have a pool table. We have shuffleboards. We have arcade games. And it looks a bit like New York in here. Like everything's red bricks. Mm. And uh, we also show like we got big screen TVs all over the place. So we show whatever games we want to show. That's super cool. And and you just got uh, recommended by the, the Swedish Beer uh, Society. <laughs> yeah, the ones <laughs> that you will you will uh, judges for. Yeah. Svenska Alfremer, they came by a couple of days ago and put a badge on my door. Well, I, could, I was actually allowed to put it on the door myself. Oh. So it's recommended by Svenska Alfremer, the Swedish Beer Society. Uh, which is kind of cool. That is super cool. And that's when you know that you have good beers on tap. <laughs> well, we are a free house. Yeah. We work with uh, quite a few different suppliers. And we only bring in what we think is good. Or what I think is good right now. But <laughs> <laughs> You're the one that <laughs> chooses to well, be. Since I'm the general manager, I, I'm, I'm uh, responsible in the end. And that means that I choose what goes on tap and what doesn't. That must be a relief. To to work with the free house and not have a, a contract you have to follow. Oh and yeah, definitely. Uh, and the thing is, I was well, well, you know that when I started El Yatat, the place mm. you are at now. Yeah, they signed a new contract with a major supplier two weeks before I started, and I took the job under the impression that I was going to run a free house, mm. uh, and finally I do, and it's fantastic. I get to get. The absolute best of the best. Cost is no option because I'll just price it what what it cost. Yeah. So and, and people buy it. Yeah, and I think that since it's called beer and play, I mean, uh, people know that you have beer, and I feel like because you're you're next to two uh, restaurants that s- sell beers uh, for like uh, two three euros and uh, probably tastes like butter and. So it's, it's the location is quite quite interesting, but it's quite challenging. Yeah, it is. But I feel like you also you have a, a, a you you bring people wherever you go, the the beer nerds and everything. And I f- feel like you can also find a really good new customer system, uh, new customers. Well, the thing is, we've got quite a lot of new regulars in mm. just only since I started, and and that's locals who live in the near uh, in the nearby area. Who uh, or like some who live upstairs, mm. and they come down and they go, "Oh, it's so nice here now. We got a selection of good stuff, and you, we don't get the bad elements that we get from these cheap places next door to you." Because mm. uh, I'm quite hard on on like you're not supposed to be drunk. You're supposed to be clean and sober, uh, sober, but at least <laughs> you, you behave yourself. Behave <laughs> for God's sake. Uh, and uh, we get in there. We got a really nice outdoor patio mm. with. Uh, hopefully now, from the first of July, we'll be able to uh, get people to sit closer to each other as yeah. well. Indoors, I think it's going to take quite a while to get there, but uh, it's so nice. And and uh, it's in the sun until like three o'clock, and then it's in the shade, which is kind of nice when it's this warm as it is now. Yeah, definitely, and. 
sitting in the sun drinking beer is quite heavy. Well, you get kind of stupid after a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it boosts uh, the, the, the drunkenness pretty quickly. <laughs> what is the the future of beer and play? How do you see this place growing and where do you see it in the next years to come? Well, two months ago or two and a half months ago before I started here, they had the, there's actually 24 taps and they had four taps on. Uh, I now have 14. Uh, in the future, we want to fill up all the taps, but we need like more customers coming out to do that and more people being more adventurous and trying new stuff mm. to get everything rolling. Everything we have on now is rolling, but if I put more taps on, it'll be kind of tough to get everything being as fresh as possible, and, and that's kind of what I want to do. Mm. Uh, but also, in the autumn, if restrictions are released... Uh, we're gonna try to work more towards companies, and do um, like kickoff parties, stag nights, whatever. This is basically a youth center for adults, so it's like <laughs> games, uh, beer and play. So it's yeah. like arcade games, shuffleboard, b- uh, pool, and really, really good beers and nice pizzas. It's a man slash woman cave. Yeah, because it is the the. Uh, the ratio guys to girls in here is the highest I've ever worked in a beer place. Hmm. It's maybe 60-40 men towards women instead of uh, some places like 90 to 10. That is quite awesome because... And quite young people as well. Young girls coming in going like, hmm, I like sour beers. What kind of sour beers do you have? Yeah. Or like, I like fruity IPAs. What fruity IPAs do you have? And to me, it's so much fun because this is a thing that started maybe five, ten years ago. That women are drinking beer because it wasn't really socially acceptable for women to drink beer. They were supposed to drink wine. And it makes me happy when young women come in and they're really secure of what they want. And they go, mm, and they try something and they go, mm, no. I want it to be a bit more sour. I want it to be a bit more sweet. Yeah. I want it more like that. Oh, I'm so happy that we actually were working towards being more gender equal and, and that people don't judge hmm. that much anymore. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm really happy about that. <clears throat> That's the most important thing. Beer is for everybody. And uh, yeah, and I mean, like as you said, like with, with flavors... And that that's the thing that we do all the time when when somebody wants to try something and find something that they like. I mean, we give them a sample and they're like, yeah. And we 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 keep going until we find something that they like. And and since we've been working the, with this for quite a while, I don't think it it is very seldom that I need that I need more than give more than one sample. And they go, hmm, nah, uh, and I know exactly what they want instead. Yeah. That's basically uh, what this place is on about and what it's going to be in the future, hopefully. That is awesome. I'm going to be a guest here a couple of times. Well, you actually worked here one night. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. That was fun. <laughs> I was not ready for that kind of service, being I, during the pandemic, haven't really worked that much and haven't really had a, a, a real service. And I came here and I got to be in this shit. <laughs> We should have been should have been here Friday. <laughs> oh Jesus! I was so tired after that shift. You know that. <laughs> How were your feet? Oh, they were bad. <laughs> like, just like 
you know, old times, when you, when you lay down in bed, it's not even comfortable. It just hurts too much. <laughs> and I was like laying there and I'm smiling to myself like that's the feel. Yeah. <laughs> but CC. Yes. You're about to die. Oh, God. Thank what's, God. <laughs> <laughs> what's your, what's the last beer you want to have before you die? Any beer you want. I want two. You want two? Yeah. That's a bit greedy, but... <laughs> well, since it's your podcast as well, you can have two. I'll start with the Dales Pale Ale. Of course. And then I'll just go out with a... Oh, let's see. I'll go out with a Russian River Speedway Stout Vietnamese style. One, it's in a bomber. Two, it's an oak-matured Imperial Stout with Vietnamese coffee. It'll last me a while, so I won't die right away. <laughs> oh, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. And it's a fantastic beer. Yeah, I never tried that one. I've tried Dale's Pale Ale, though. It's, yeah. it's really nice. <laughs> nice crisp Pale Ale. And gluten-free nowadays. <coughs> oh, as well. That, that's good. That's good. But Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Beer Bubbles podcast. I hope you enjoy this uh, CC special. <laughs> we can call it the CC special. <laughs> And whatever you do, drink, drink better, better beer. beer.